Right, great. Well, good morning, guys. It's lovely to see you all and to uh, yeah, have another uh, guest and friend here as well this morning, uh, Gareth from down the road in Ravina Baptist Church. And it's been great over the last year. Uh, we've had a few more people from Cardiff uh, coming out of like the, the lockdown season and just trying to have different voices to speak into our lives as a church, uh, but also invite friends and unite with other churches. So um, I'm going to invite Gareth to come up now, and we're, we're going to... I'm going to have a few questions with him before I pray for him. And um, la- last week, actually, we showed a picture of you. I know. Uh, you extreme, it was an extremely good-looking photo. Listen, but, listen, uh, I, I actually looked in just to see how you conducted your meetings here, you know, made sure I could fit in properly. And there was something about... Was it he doesn't look that good in the flesh or something like that? Or was it some, some, some... I knew I knew we should have gone offline. That, 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 um, that, that photograph was um, uh, pre-RBC days. Though, I think, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah, true, yeah, great. Well, well, well you'd be amazed, actually, to find out. Gareth, that's one secret I want to know, Gareth, is he's got less grey hairs than me, but he's got more kids than me. So, Gareth, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your, yourself, what you do and your family as well, and maybe where you're from and everything. Okay, so we, we currently live in Bedwas, just over the mountain. Uh, we've always lived in the Welsh Valleys, so it, it feels a bit strange being in North Cardiff in the, the leafy suburbs. Um, so married to Angela, we met in Sunday school when I was 10, she was 9. We've been going out since I was 14 and she was 13. <laughs> and we have seven... Seven children uh, from <laughs> so far, <laughs> and actually, actually now we have um, three grandchildren and one on the way. So great, that's great. Try awesome, brilliant. That's about you. Definitely got some brownie points as well there. Well done. So that's great. Tell us a little bit, is obviously everyone who's been maybe brought up in church or new to church, we all have different stories of how we came to know Jesus. Just t- tell us briefly of how you came to know Jesus. Um, so there's a Sunday morning uh, or early afternoon. Um, always went to visit my grandparents on a Sunday afternoon, and for some reason we didn't that week. Uh, no church background, never been to church. And Paul Costigan, my friend, came and knocked on the door and he said... Um, there's a, there's a new church that's opened in the village. This is Nelson. This is where we lived. Um, and they have a Sunday school. Do you fancy coming? And I said, no. Um, and he said they give lollipops at the end. Now, I, I don't know how many kids would be enticed by a lollipop these days, but back in the day, you know, a lollipop. So, um, so I went along. And I, I think here's, here's the thing that kind of held me in. They had this chart system for all the kids. You have points for bringing a Bible, memory verse, bringing a friend, all, all of this stuff. And these different prizes, the scale of prizes, and the top prize was a brand new Bible, 1,000 points. So I was I'm very competitive. I'm like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that before anybody else, you know? And so all those memory verses week after week just still with me, you know, from, from that. Um, yeah, so... My mother was a bit concerned because this new church was meeting in Billiard Hall, 
Workmen's Institute in Nelson, so it couldn't be a proper church. There were kind of some voices around the village, it must be a cult or something strange. So she came on a Sunday just to check it out, make sure I wasn't getting involved in anything dodgy. And, and very soon she came to faith. So we would walk the dog together every evening and she would be sharing with me what was going on in her life. And, and I came to faith through that. That's amazing. And just an encouragement as well. We do our kids' club. We've still got a prize system. But we haven't got lollipops, so I'm going to make that point to get the lollipops in. So, so that's amazing. Great story. And, and you're the pastor now in, in Rabina. We started similar time as well, didn't we? I think three, three and a half years ago, similar to you. December, December 2019. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, and me and Gareth are part of uh, just a small group of, it's kind of friends, but pastors called Cardiff Church Leaders, and we meet once a month to just share and pray together. Uh, but just tell us how are things going there, and what, what can we pray for you? So when we think of Rabino, when we pass it, or what can we like kind of pray for you guys for? That's a good question, isn't it? Um, so things are going really well. We're, we're very, very encouraged, uh, and... Obviously, it's a difficult season to start with, um, early days with, with COVID and so on. Um, but but we, we, we came through various circumstances. We came to a church that was tired and weary and a bit battered. And, and so kind of our, our heart, our prayer initially was to see the church brought to a place of health and unity. And, and it really is in that place. It's a, it's a safe place. It's a good place to be. And, and so I guess our prayer is for roots to go down deep um, and that there would be a, a greater experience and awareness of the reality of the presence of God and the glory of the gospel. And it would be, um, no cliche, it would be a light in a community, you know, there would be. And, and I think with that, um, looking to encourage and develop a sense of proximity and regularity in the community with, with people establishing those relationships. Um, you've got to be in the field in order to plant seeds and for there to be a harvest, you know, and so, so those relational connections and links to be developed. Okay. Well, I'm going to pray for Gareth, and let's, let's just join as we pray. Father, we thank you for one another, Lord. We thank you, even just we just thank you for Sunday school, Lord. Father, we thank you for the people who just faithfully serve children in, in all the towns and villages and cities of this, of this land. Lord, we just thank you for Gareth's story, for, uh, uh, for their family, for his marriage, and for the kids. Lord Jesus, we just pray for him and Angela now, Lord. We just pray for your blessing on their marriage. Lord, that you will give them an, an increased love and, and patience and, and just friendship for one another. Take them into a deeper love for one another, Lord. Just pray for their children, Lord, and and uh, them as parents, Lord. We just pray for all their kids, Lord, that you will just again remind them of your love. Mm. And uh, may may their story be their own story of how they also come to know the Saviour through the, their parents whispering the gospel to them, Father. Lord, we just uh, pray for our brothers and sisters in Rabina Baptist Church. Oh, even just pray for them right now where they are. Lord, that your spirit will fall on that place. Lord, that your, your, your word, Lord, will touch hearts this morning. 
Lord, we pray for the, the area. We pray for the, it being opposite the school, the work, the history, the years of, of sowing seed. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, it'll be uh, a water in time, Lord. We pray for it to be a water in time. Now, only you will cause it to grow, but we pray it'll go from a sowing time to a water in time, Lord. Lord, there'll be water in the fruit. The colours of, of autumn, of, of summer, will come out in Rabina, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, for it to be known, even as we sang, Lord, for it to be known as a place of light. Lord, a lighthouse in that place. Of all of the maybe false lights or neon lights or kind of artificial lights in the darkness, Lord, we pray that it will be a pure light. A light that, that shines through the darkness. A light that the darkness can't escape it. We pray for that, not just as a building, but for individual human beings who bear your spirit. Lord, we pray for a unity there, a love there, Lord, a compassion there. But Lord, just Lord, a love for the gospel. Lord, may it be a church, Lord, of true worshippers, Lord, of word and spirit. Mm. We pray that over them, Lord, for your kingdom's sake. We pray, and Lord, just touch our hearts now as we open your word. We believe it's real. We believe this is your time. This is your space. Mm. So, Holy Spirit, use your word to make us more like Jesus. As we pray, Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for your welcome. It's good to be here. Um, what a great series you're in. It's quite creative. So James chapter 1, if you, if you have a Bible or a device, um, James chapter 1, I'm just going to read a, a few verses from, from that chapter. Um, James chapter 1, verse 22 These are striking words. Do not, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Um, so the book of James uh, it's, it's written something like um, a New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. So uh, from chapter 2 to 5, you have these, these wise sayings, 12 different sections, wise sayings of, of what a, a life that flourishes in the kingdom of, of God looks like. And, and chapter 1 is something of, of, of an introduction into the bulk of, the, of that book. And so the, these verses here, verses 22 to 20, 25, James expands upon a little bit in, in chapter 2 then, from verse 14 onwards, where he says, um, here are a few of those verses. Verse 14, he says, what, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? 
And then verse 17, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And then verse 20, faith without deeds is useless. Another thing, as you read through the book of James, you, what becomes quickly apparent is all of these echoes and allusions to um, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, life, this wisdom for life lived in, in the kingdom of, of God. And so there's a sense in which we could say, you know, if, if James, the, the leader of, of the church in Jerusalem, the younger half-brother of Jesus, if he's like if he's like the conductor of this symphony, life in the kingdom, what it looks like, then, then the composer of that symphony is, is Jesus. So what I'd like to do this morning, before we, we come to these words in James chapter 1, I'd, I'd first like to go back to that original composition, if you like, uh, which we find in, in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, uh, and particularly related to these words at the end of chapter 7 and, and in, in Luke chapter 6, um, where Jesus is teaching what it means to be a follower of his and, and what life under the rule and reign of God looks like in, in this broken world. And, and at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, he, he makes this singular point. In Luke's account, in chapter 6, he says, Why do you call me... Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you. So no, no, no doubt those words, this is the same thing. And then he, he goes on to contrast between a, a wise and a, and a foolish builder. And, and so he says, let, let me show you what someone is like who, who comes to me and then hears my words and acts on them. He says, there's a wise man. That's wisdom for life. You come, you listen, and you put it into practice. But then he says, the one who hears, listen, does not act, is like, but he says, that's foolishness. And he actually says, the end is ruin. He says, stark words. And, and so there are these crowds of people that have drawn to Jesus. They've been wowed by some of his mighty acts, his, his deeds, and they've come to, to listen to him, and they're awed by the authority of his words and, and so on. Um, but here, here's the crunch point. He's, he's spoken these words, this, this countercultural living, this, this radical kind of lifestyle that he's talking about. He's, he's taught them They've, they've enjoyed the experience, or they're wowed by it, they're, they're, they're challenged maybe by it, and he says, well, well here's the crunch point, what are you going to do now? What are you actually going to go away and do with this? Because a faith that doesn't demonstrate itself in action is, well, James says, it's useless. He says it's dead. Remember, Jesus in John 14 says, if you love me, keep my commands, keep my word. He who has my commands and keeps them or does them, that's what he's talking about, it's he who loves me. He will keep my word and listen, and my father will love him and we will come to him, make our home with him. And, and Jesus in highlighting this, 
at right at the end of, of this message, life in the kingdom, um, he's highlighting it because he knows that this is a real issue. This is a real problem. There's, there's this real potential here that you can listen and even enjoy and go away and do nothing with it. James knows the same situation. So James is writing into a, a, a situation where the, the church has been scattered through persecution and poverty. And so he, he's writing to the scattered tribes, those who followers of Jesus. And, and this is what it's all about. And he's aware also this is an issue. This is, this is a challenge. There are going to be those of you, he says as he's writing this, who the tendency is to love the words, to hear them. And even to call Jesus Lord. And so he's saying, don't deceive yourselves. Don't, don't kid yourselves. You see, life in the kingdom of God within this broken world is intended to be so distinctive. It is light in darkness. It is salt bringing flavor into the hall. It is like yeast at work within the door. It's active. And Jesus says, this is what it looks like. He's, he's told us in his sermon, it's, it's, this is what it looks like. It looks like loving your enemies. That was radical, still is. Um, Blessing those, that's an active word, blessing those who curse you. Praying for those who treat you badly. Another kind of prayer is, Lord, kind of prayer that wants, longs for blessing. Not judging others, condemning others, highlighting the flaws in others, forgiving those who have wronged you even when it hurts. It looks like a heart that is overflowing with a lifestyle of generosity. Giving out is this outward flow of your life to see others blessed rather than this miserly holding on to whatever I can keep. Trust in the goodness of your father, even in the midst of trials. That's how he starts this letter, right? And, and, and actually, Jesus says in, in this sermon, he says, you know, it, it finds so the law and the prophets, all of this, the, the, the entirety, really, of the Old Testament, finds its completion, finds its perfection, its fullness in this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and of your soul and your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so here's the challenge. Jesus knew it. James knew it. We can hear his teachings. We can memorize them. And we can, we can study them diligently to ensure that our doctrine is correct. And we can say the right things in the right company. And we can preach great sermons and we can call Jesus our Lord, yet, this is what they're saying, it's possible that the vital life and the fruit of the kingdom is absent. It's missing. It's possible. 
I remember reading an article a number of years ago, actually, uh, titled Yoga Poses, Sales of Sports Gear Soars, Outpacing the Sport Itself. Listen to this, quote, people wear the gear, but they don't actually live the life that those clothes or those associations represent. They wear hiking boots, but they never hike. As in. They put on these yoga leggings, but they do no exercises. They spend money on speciality running shoes, but they never jog. They invest in the gear and they want to be seen in it. They just don't do with their bodies what the gear is designed to support their doing. So they don't live, this is what he's saying, they don't live into the purpose and, and, and the life of flourishing that flows from that purpose. This is what James is saying. This is what Jesus is saying. There's a purpose in these words that are intended to give you life. Life abundantly. A life that flourishes. Life as it was intended to be lived. Life after the image and likeness of Jesus. So Jesus says the person who enters the kingdom lives their lives, enters into this life lived under the active reign and rule of God, behold our God seated on the throne, um, is the one who does the will of the Father. That's that life. Don't kid yourselves, he says. Because here's the thing. Take a Sunday morning, just like this morning, possible, hear the word of God. How many of us have done this? You hear the word of God, we experience a sense of enjoyment. At times, not always, sometimes it's just really boring, isn't it? But a sense of enjoyment and listening to his teaching, and especially if the person who is teaching is clear and, and maybe even enthusiastic and passionate and inspiring, and you get caught up in the enthusiasm of it, and, and, and you leave feeling like it was really great to be there this morning. What a great word. You might even say it on the one, great word, pastor, great word. And that's all good. That's not bad. Those, those things are not bad. Of course, they're not bad. But if, but if, I'm, if I'm challenged and even charmed by it, but remain unchanged, I don't act on it. James says, is missing the purpose for which it was delivered. The, the, the teaching and the preaching and the reading is, is designed to support the doing. That's what it's designed for. When, when it becomes an end in itself, then any benefit gained is going to be short-lived. So I'm going to make a bold, maybe controversial statement here. It seems to me, after 25 years of, of being in pastoral ministry, the more we listen without acting on it or putting into practice what we hear, the less likely we'll ever be changed by it. The more we listen to, the more we go on without doing anything with that. Because what the Bible speaks about the hardening of our hearts. The, the writer to the Hebrews, you've just been there, right, in your reading, speaks of the experience of dull of hearing. You've become dull 
of hearing. Have you ever had that experience? I, um, I was once, uh, I went to London, I was staying with some friends of my father-in-law in, in Richmond, because we were going to a conference the following day, and, and over, overnight, or in the early hours of the morning, there was this horrendous noise. I, I awoke to this noise, I actually fell out of bed. The noise was so tremendous. I, and, and so a couple of hours later, I was at the breakfast table with my hosts, and I said, what was that this morning? And, and they said, what are you talking about? That noise, what, what was that? I don't know what you mean. It was 6.30 this morning, there was this noise. I fell out of bed, it was so loud. And they said, oh, that would be the 6.30 in from Hong Kong to Heathrow Airport, one of the early flights. We're actually underneath the flight path and we don't hear it anymore. We don't hear, we don't hear it anymore? And it can become like that, you know? Just this familiarity. Well, I've heard it, and 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 I don't do anything with it. It doesn't, doesn't create anything. It doesn't get mobilized in my life, and it just becomes layers upon layers upon layers of hardened skin of my heart. And like Jesus, James presents us with this this contrast between wisdom and foolishness. So here, there's no clock in here, is there? Oh, there's a clock there, okay. Um, Person one, here it is, verse 23, looks into the mirror, immediately forgets, fails to do anything about what he sees. And, and, you know, the the, the mirror is not there for mere narcissism, isn't it? You you don't... You are looking good. That, that's not what it's there for. The, 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 the mirror is, is there for us to be able to see if some reparation work is needed, right, in the morning. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you look into the mirror, you've been out working in the garden, there's some mud on my face, I better check that I'm clean before I go out, or some spinach between my teeth, or maybe something quite unpleasant coming up my nose, or something like that. Okay, am I looking okay to go out and be presentable. Um, and in the same way, this is what James is saying, we, we, can, we, we look into the mirror of the perfect law of freedom. It's an interesting expression. We come to that. Um, life lived in the way of the kingdom, according to the ways of Jesus, bearing his image and likeness. And as we look into that, the word actually reads us it shows us what needs to be fixed here. What needs to be repaired here. What's, what's a bit out of place. And, and so, for example, where were you yesterday? Hebrews 13, yesterday, verse 1. So you come and you look into the perfect law of freedom. You look into the word. Keep loving one another as brothers and sisters. Okay, let me allow that word to read me. And you dwell there. Is there any repair work needed here? Show hospitality to strangers. Those strangers there, outsiders, those who are not part of the, 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 the fellowship here. Be a person, be a community of welcome. Okay, let's dwell there. 
Let me allow that to read me. There's some reparation work needed here. What, what, is, what is the mirror highlighting as I linger there? There, there are things that we, we see and we hear in the word that they, they challenge us and, and we're aware that there are some issues that need to be addressed in our lives, you know. And so there, maybe there is, there is unforgiveness or there's, there's bitterness or there, there is this lack of open-handed generosity or, or a pride or self-centeredness or, or, or whatever. Um, and, and that we're challenged by it. You read it, maybe we're challenged by it. And here's what we could do in that moment, it's what we often do in that moment, maybe, is we just go away and think about something else. Fill that space with other thoughts. It's gone. I've forgotten what I saw. It's easy. It's an easy thing to do, isn't it? And, and here's... Here's what I mean. This stuff has struck me so much. I'm just reading and studying this. Here's, here's what then can happen. I can do that. I can spend the week doing that. I'll get through my chapter for today. Okay, read it through, read it through, through. Right, I've done my chapter. Tick that off, and and moving quickly on and forgetting. And then I come on a Sunday morning. So I said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And, and then I hear these words. What are you doing? Jesus, what are you doing? Why do you call me Lord? Lord, you don't actually do. And I, when, when I read that, I'm not reading Jesus going with, with an angry face. I, I, this is a heart of compassion and love for us and a longing. Don't do that. That's not the life of blessing. Blessing doesn't flow from that. And then verse 25, we have in contrast, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, let me just pick up on a few things very quickly. First of all, notice our freedom. He uses that word freedom. Our freedom in Christ is directly tied to our obedience. Remember Jesus' words in John eight thirty one: If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. There's a functional thing going on here. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The liberating power of the truth, of the gospel, of the truth, of the words of Jesus, the ways of the kingdom, the liberating power of that is experienced in the practice of it. The life of freedom. See, the, the life of freedom isn't found in me being able to do whatever I want. No one can tell me what to do. I'm just going to do whatever. But that sounds free, doesn't it? That sounds like freedom. I get to do whatever I want. It's Genesis 3, right? But in keeping of commands. That's what he's saying. This freedom in keeping of commands. Sounds counterintuitive. You know, the 613 Jewish commandments... There wasn't freedom there, you know. Jesus spoke into that, says, says, actually, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down by that. And I'm, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching upon you, because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's freedom in my commands. He says to his disciples, make, make disciples, go make disciples, the nations, baptizing them, in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them 
to obey all I've commanded. And it's a life of freedom. The royal law, as James calls it, the way of freedom, the way of love. Um, Secondly, notice this person responds intently as they read. It's the, the kind of person who is blessed. They look intently into the truth. This isn't a casual glance. It's a casual glance, you just miss it. So just a casual glance, you just you don't see what needs to be rectified and skip over and take it off. I think the posture of, of, of this word is, is captured in Psalm 19. Um, remember, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. This is someone looking intently into the perfect law of freedom. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Listen, they are more precious than gold, than much fine gold. They're sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned by Keeping them, there is what? Great reward. There are treasures to be found and to be gleaned, and a sweetness is experienced in the keeping. Joy to be discovered, wisdom, refreshment, light. Thirdly, whoever looks intently and continues to do it. This, this person is consistently coming back, consistently coming back to, to listen and to, to, to look and to read. Is, is there something about habitual practice here that produces fruitfulness? Paul says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Psalm 1 speaks of the blessed person. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, they meditate day and night. And they become like this tree that is planted by streams and bears fruit. There's a consistency here. And then James repeats the point, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Fourthly, come to the end, they are blessed in what they do. They're blessed in what they do. And um, Remember when Jesus watched the disciples and he says I've given an example to you and then he says this now that you know these things listen you will be blessed if you do them I've given you the example the blessing is tied to the doing to the obedience He made the same point when somebody called out from the crowd and said, blessed is the mother that gave birth to you and nursed you. Remember his response? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's where the blessing comes, in the obedience, in the doing. Blessing, reward, fruitfulness, freedom. We don't have time to dig into these verses, but the next couple of verses, 26 and 27, he gives... Two examples, then, of of what he's just said here. So first in the negative, then in the positive. So James says, those who consider themselves religious, pious, devoted, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, 
Notice these words, deceive themselves. You're kidding yourselves. The religion, he says, is worthless. You might look holy, you might consider yourself holy, a godly person, and yet your words are being used to pull down and destroy and cause harm and hurt. You're kidding yourselves. And then the positive, rather, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Notice, this is active. Notice, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, the most vulnerable of society, and to keep oneself polluted from the world. It's active. There's a, there's a great book by Alan Creeder titled The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. Uh, the subtitle, The Improbable Rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. And, and Creed asks the question, how is it that a small persecuted group of some 25,000 people in 100 AD grow to 2 million in a couple of hundred years, become the dominant religion, if you like, of the Roman Empire? How, how, how is that? And, and in one sentence, a summary of, of the book, um, they were communities of learning and then embodying acting out the ways of Jesus. That's how they did. That's the conclusion he comes to from reading through all of the, the patristics, the ancient literature. And, and in, in so doing, there was this attractional pull. The church, these small communities, meeting homes, there was this attractional pull to this life of freedom in the face of great suffering and, and loss through their deeds. They will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's what it says. I'm going to close. Let me close with this. I think this is necessary. Let me just say this. This isn't the kind of message that you'd bring to a, a church on a visit. Um, if it wasn't in James 1 today, I wouldn't have brought this kind of message. But I believe there's so much substance here for all of us. But I think we need to also hear this. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide, or if you, if you dwell in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide, dwell in my love. Can't miss that in this. If you keep, listen, if you keep my commands, if you obey what I've said, you dwell in my love. Those two are connected. That's dwelling in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. I've told you this so that you're that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's the purpose here. I'm not trying to bash you. I want your joy to be full. I want you to live this life of freedom. That's what he's saying. My command is this. So what's, what's, what's your commands, Jesus? How do, we, how do we live in your love? Tell us the commands. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this. 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. The law of freedom, the royal law. And so, as you continue to jump into the next chapter on the next day, I encourage you just to allow it to act like a mirror. And as you look into the law of freedom, it gives life. As you intently look, ask the Spirit of God to reveal anything in you. Lord, what is it? How do I step further into this stream of your love for the world and of this life that is free, truly free, that brings fruitfulness and life wherever it goes? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for the world. We thank you for the demonstration of your love for us. We thank you for a life that is been, has been given, laid down for his friends in order that we might know life. Lord Jesus, we give you our thanks. Lord, we pray that for any of us, if our hearts have grown hardened by familiarity, Lord, that you would tenderize them afresh, even today, sensitize our hearts to hear your words, and to step into the reality of freedom that comes from obeying them, putting them into practice. And Lord, I pray over Thornhill Church that as a community, they would know flourishing as they step deeper and further into the wonder and the glory of the gospel, Jesus Christ, and all of its implications. Bless and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.